Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today, we will be discussing Book 1, Episode 14, The Fortune Teller. If you can't know, this is, of course, where we got the name for the podcast. So this is a very special episode for me and a very special episode for us. So on our panel today, we have Corey. Hi, everyone. Charles. What's up? And our first ever returning guest, we have Delia. Hey. You might remember Delia from the Waterbending Scroll. So, yes, obviously this is going to be a very special episode for us as it is where we got the name Thoughts from Aunt Wu. I was thinking about the, the idea of this podcast and, and when coming up with the specifics of un- we how we know the future and we're discussing episodes knowing what's going to happen later on. Uh, I wanted an avatar theme name, and this seems so perfect. And I've always loved this episode. I've always loved Aunt Wu. Um, so it's just a great uh, great way to start. So without further ado, let's get started with our initial thoughts. Delia, you're our special guest, so why don't you start us off with your initial thoughts on this episode? I thought that it was lovely. Um, Katara got on my nerves again, but, you know, that's something we can fight about later. Um, I will. felt quite bad. For the child who had a crush on Aang, you know, May. And um, Sokka was great. Aunt Wu was great. And it brought back a memory of one time when, as a child at the DMV, I met someone who said they were a psychic and they said that I would marry a guy who liked basketball. And I hope that was a lie because I hate basketball. But. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Better or worse than marrying a big eared guy? Um, well. A lot of the time, well, I've, I've heard that having big ears is a sign of intelligence, which I don't understand how that would be a thing, but, like, that's fine. Giant ears. It's all good. I don't care. All right. Corey, initial thoughts. Yeah, this is a fun episode. For the, oh, by the way, a little background stuff for all of you guys that don't know. This was supposed to be an episode that we all watched and got very drunk together, so I've decided I'm going to start drinking right now so I can catch up. Um, so I, I, oh I don't my. know if that works if we're not all doing. Ooh, <laughs> I'll go have, get a beer I if you want. In the house. Yeah, I, I, I encourage everyone here to start drinking with me, and that includes everyone listening. Um, I hope you yes. can drink too while you listen to this. Um, so without further ado, this is a fun episode. Aunt Wu is a caricature of a fortune teller, and she's just really fun in this episode. And it's fun to see how an entire village can go onto the hopes of someone like that, especially in life or death situations. And it's the way the the episode unfolded, it it had humor in it. It had um, tension, obviously, because an entire village can get wiped out. Um, Ultimately, you know, in in book one, it's not the most important episode, but it's definitely a a very well-written episode for what it was. I really enjoyed this episode. All right, Charles. Yeah, pretty much the same thoughts. It's a really fun episode. Um, I love how they both say, like, they make a point of having uh, Onwu's stuff come true, and yet, like, the volcano stuff happens, and then there's that one guy <laughs> who... <laughs> that fucking asshole, man. no matter what, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's just yep. a really fun episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a really fun episode. Um, the one, the big thing I'll talk about on a serious note, and I'm definitely with Corey. This will be a more fun episode. We'll be we you know changing things up a little bit because it's our um, namesake. But on a serious note, just to start off, I, I think this episode is a great uh, example of how comedic timing is important because I I spent a lot of time last episode really complaining about misplaced comedic beats where we had this entire scene with um, the cat lady and then the scene at the end that I really thought dragged it out of the episode and took away from what was really a fantastic episode of The Blue Spirit. This episode, there's way more humor, but I'm completely okay with it because at no point does it halt the tension of this episode. And there is tension. Corey mentioned it. There is a city that could be destroyed or a village, whatever you want to call it. And there is a volcano. There are all these things. But because this episode is not at any moment trying to be the the sort of mo- really pivotal episode of the book, I'm never I'm not I have no problem with it. And this is I think an important thing to note because I I feel like last week I got a little bit down on the humor and I don't want people to think that I'm like, "Oh, no, the show needs to be serious all the time." No, I love episodes like this. This episode was phenomenal for it, but you have to know when to pull these comedic beats. And in this episode, they, it, it's done really well to build up the episode. I personally thought last week it was a lot worse and took us out of the episode. So I think that's just a good um, a good way to see these two as a, as a comparison. Um, at the very beginning of this episode, I think that another, like, on a very serious note I want to talk about is just how great the storytelling of Aang making the necklace for Katara, because there's so many different layers to this scene that's phenomenal. I mean, obviously, it's setting up the romantic plot of this episode in particular, which is very important. It's what drives the majority of Aang's actions in this episode is, is moving towards Katara. But on top of that, it's setting up the romance of Aang and Katara across the entire series, which is important. This is not a one-episode plot. But on a much more subtle and important note, the next episode, Bato of the Water Tribe, is about Katara not having her necklace and, and how Zuko uses it to track them. And it's a great little reminder about the necklace so that we're sort of ready for it next week without being totally overt. And I think that one thing shows struggle with right now is trying to remind audiences of something that happened a couple of episodes ago or even worse, many episodes ago. And I sometimes get very upset at the sort of uh, last time, you know, we, in this show it's previously on Avatar, um, I, especially, it's especially noticeable in, in, say, Game of Thrones where they sort of show some old scenes and they're like, oh, I know exactly what this episode's going to be about because they mention the necklace. So, of course, that's what the episode's going to be about. And this is like the great way to do it where it's this very subtle reminder without saying we're going, oh, they're going to talk about the fact that Katara doesn't have her necklace this episode because they didn't. But at the same time, it keeps that fresh in our mind. And I love subtle, well-put-together, layered storytelling. And I think that that's, that's just something this show at times does phenomenally well. And in this case, I, I don't think it's any I, – I, I can't think of a better example than this one. I also like this is an example in in television of filler done right. This is definitely without a doubt a filler episode and as you said it's used as a means to set up for future episodes even though the entire episode is a filler episode. And I think this is like a polar opposite of the divide where I think the divide was trying to be something it really wasn't and in a, in a way it, it didn't have like a a voice and it was truly a filler episode of the divide this one is still a filler episode 
but it, it, it knew exactly what it wanted to tell, and it used humor to keep everything entertained, and I, I think it's just like a an example of how you could do filler right in a TV show. What's interesting is I I agree with the the sentiment that you you'd put, but I would almost say that this episode feels less like filler than the divide, even though I think in the minds of the creators this is the more like the the le- lesser important episode because I feel like at times they tried to take the divide kind of seriously and then failed miserably. I feel like this episode it works because they don't really take anything seriously, but it almost it feels like the the small bits of seriousness almost come out more so because they're not trying very hard. I don't know if you agree with that, Corey. I definitely see what you're saying. Um, again, I, I think uh, just like the comparison to the divide, like the divide wasn't necessarily funny except for like just how quirky both tribes were. And they, they like you know they 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 tried and you know ultimately they they really didn't get anything across and it was for, more more or less a forgettable episode. This one, it the reason this is such a memorable episode is because it just beat after beat is funny and the characters are memorable and over the top. And if you know you're going for a filler episode, you you have to commit. And I think this episode fully committed. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Wait, hang on. Yep. This episode has arguably more forward-carrying themes than a good chunk of some of the other ones. I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical of calling this episode filler. I mean, I understand what, what Corey's point is because in sort of the grand scheme of the plot, if you remove this episode, there's not too much... Like, there's no, like, forward momentum in terms of the plot. There's a lot of subtle buildup that comes into play later but on smaller subtler ways which i love i like the fact that they're not this doesn't you can have an episode like this that's not the most like it's not plot centric but is more character centric which is and i i i as i said i'm, I'm a little i was gonna say the corey in the end like i'm not sure if i would exactly call this filler but i understand what his point is like when you compare it to say blue spirit which is like all plot there's all this forward momentum of Aang getting captured, Aang not getting captured, etc., etc. I feel like you could argue. But then, I guess by that logic, Corey, is a question for you. I, I know the answer is no, but by that logic, is the storm filler? Um, well, no. Why would the storm be filler? I mean, like, the, the storm set up... The, here's the thing with the storm. The storm set up motivations for both uh, Zuko and Aang. So in the end, you can't really consider character development filler, right? But I would argue there's a ton of character development in this episode. Yeah, kinda. I mean, wh- where? Where are you looking, though? I mean, there's a, a lot on Aang. You, c- you can see a, a decent amount in terms of Aang's motivation. Um, uh, there's quite a bit in terms of Sokka's outlook on the world. Um, even Katara has a little bit in her outlook on the world. I, I think that I, I mean, I understand, like, that the storm is, like, very super overt and, like, this is Aang's uh, motivation. This is Zuko's motivation. Let's, like, be as, as, as clear as possible, and it's, it's great for it. But I feel like it's not – it's wrong to discount the subtler side of it where it's, like, there are – there is, like, little bits and pieces of their characters here that's very important moving forward. Well, I mean, that's why, that's why I, I praise this. When I say filler, I mean – Again, it's, when you have good filler, you barely realize it's filler. Like, 
episodes where characters are just being themselves and acting based on what how they would really act, you you could say that's looking more insight into them. But I mean, it's it's again like with the storm, it it was just as you said, it was just overtly. This is why how Aang got to where he is right now, and this is how Zuko got to where he is right now, and that's why. All right, let me ask you a different a different question, and I don't know if you remember the episode well enough, but would you think? Do you think that um, Ember Island is filler, or the not Ember the beach? The actual episode title, um, the episode where Zuko, um, May, Tylee, and Azula go to the beach, and sort of we get all that Zuko character motivation. Yes. Okay, if, if you're going to say that that's filler, then yes, I think this is filler. I think Charles's point is that if you're, whether or not that should, that type of episode should be considered filler. Yeah, and then again, I mean, we we have to look in that, like, like, it's funny, even like, that's why, like, last week's episode with the Blue Spirit, like, it's so funny to me, because that one tried to be like this one in terms of humor, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because, again, they, they were obviously trying to move the plot forward, which is why you could say that there were, we had a lot of mixed feelings on this. This one just knew what it was, and that's why I think it was just lighthearted most of the episode. Mm, I wouldn't say that the fact that they're moving the plot forward is what hurt it in ter- with co- comedy. I, I think that you can have a comedic episode that moves the plot a lot. I just think that, for me, what hurt it was that there was a lot more of somber and really deep storytelling and the comedy undercut that 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 emotion not the comedy undercut the plot moving forward because i think that there are there are plenty of really good episodes or like really funny episodes that are super plot centric right um i would agree that this episode was really good for Sokka's character development in particular but with ang and katara i i don't agree with that um I would like to say, Mark, the last time mm-hmm. that I was here, which was just traumatizing for you, I know. Yeah, um, very much so. I'm not over. I'm still not over it. I tried to make the argument that I think that Katara, in many ways, is still a child. And again, in this episode, I found that I thought of her more as a child because she's aware of what they have to do and what they're immediate future well not immediate but within the year is going to hold but throughout the entire episode she's just preoccupied with boys and who she's gonna marry and like i ain't gonna lie at 22 i'm still like oh my god boys but it just it didn't seem to go along with the maturity that we expect from her and with that i would still argue that she is a child in I mean she obviously is a child I mean she's 14 yes, years old I know, but, but I, I don't think that you can accuse Katara of not understanding what they need to be doing when literally we spend every episode and I say literally because I mean it oh my god Ang, you suck why aren't you like going to the northern water tribe to learn waterbending your time is running out because no, like he's I said, just I I know that she is aware of that, so I just find it... And I know this is a filler episode, but it's just kind of funny to me that, as opposed to asking about, like, oh, hey, how's Aang's monumental fate throwdown mess gonna go? She's just, you know, like, how many grandchildren am I gonna have? And all Mm, that. Well, Well, that's not her future. (laughs) It's Aang's future. 
Well, well how many grandchildren she's gonna have is Ang's future. Kid. Yeah, I mean, it is. Oh, she doesn't know that. She didn't know that when she asked that question. Well, yeah. She yes. does not know yes. that. I can understand Ang being preoccupied with his romantic future, because, like you pointed out in the notes, he really doesn't care about the battle and all. I mean, he cares, but he doesn't want to talk about it. But I don't think that Katara has. Actually, hold on. Let's let's put a pin in that and come back to that when we get to Katara's fortune telling because I want to I want to get through the beginning of the episode first. Okay. Um, just to be just to be careful. Um, I love Aang being you know all smitten with Katara because I love Katang. Yes. But again, well, whatever. Um, I have to say I like the comedy, the comedic beat of the bear scene with with the guy, um, because it. It sets up the plot of the episode, and it's one of those like really ridiculous and over the top things where it for it almost like shock almost shocks you into a different understanding. And to some degree, it happens to the characters as well, where the characters are also kind of, why is this guy acting like this? We should find out. And it's almost it it it, it doesn't really. It's a good way to sort of set up the entirety of tension of this episode, where it's the should we if we if the fortune says we're okay, should we take fate into our own hands or should we just let things play out and I, I think it's an interesting um, a great way to sort of set set that up while also just being funny it's a funny scene watching a guy like dodge a platypus bear oh I felt bad for the platypus bear I mean he just gets scared and runs away yeah but it laid an killed. egg and then Sokka broke yeah. it that was mm, that was a child I we don't know it was not we didn't know it was a fertilized egg do birds wait yeah, chicken eggs are mostly non-fertilized. No, I know that, but do other birds lay eggs that aren't fertilized? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I did not know People that. People lay eggs that aren't fertilized. Yeah. I don't want to. So I don't want to turn this into a that time of the month discussion, but <laughs> that time of the month, Delia. Like, listen, I just didn't. I mean, I suppose I'm it makes not sense. Gonna listen I just, to that. I never thought of it. Yes. Listen. No. <laughs> We're moving on. Um, a small aside for myself, I personally love when Katara kind of does a little uh, hand swish above her head to bend the water. I just there's something about that to just like it's it's like instinctual water bending. I've always just loved that little bit of like it's raining, water bend on my head. I've always, that's like if I could have like just for day to day life water bending. Like I don't need to be able to fight people. I don't need to be able to heal people. Just like. I want to, just I'm walking the rain. I can just like not get wet. It would be really great. I'd I'd love to have that power. Wait, you you wouldn't you wouldn't opt for the healing out of the? I mean, street? I would. I'm just saying, oh, like, of yes, selfish. obviously, everyone wants all of these like the crazy parts of bending. I'm just saying, like, just 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 that ability enough, I'd be okay with. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Um. So, a question I want to pose here: How do you guys feel about the music when they enter the village? Because it's very weird and like very different from anything else we've had like it's weirdly mysterious especially for like a thing that's not that mysterious like yeah she can tell the future but it's not like i feel like it's not i feel like they're trying to go for a much more mysterious beat than it actually is i think you're you're, i think you're misjudging it as mysterious i think it's like psychic you know what i mean like they're going for more supernatural Mm -hmm. i don't think it's bad it's just very different like you, you you guys could feel how different that was though right Mm-hmm. From regular music, yeah. From regular in the show, music. I mean. Yeah. Um, another question. So the guy who's out in front of Aunt Wu's, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, house of psychic readings. 
Is it just me, or was he way more anime than most characters in this show? Uh, he's just Jet's over older brother, man. Come on. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess he does look a little bit like Jet. But I, like, I, I don't know, I got, like, a much higher, like, anime vibe than I usually do in this show. I'm, I'm guessing it's because of the white hair. And the... Yeah, the white hair on the black shirt, I feel like, contrast was part of it. I didn't really get that, mostly because he, we see him like twice. I mean, it's <laughs> very, very small, but there, there's a, the reason I mention it is because there's a lot of discussion on the is Avatar anime and that whole fun discussion. I don't want to totally get into that now because it's a, this is a fun episode and that'll cause lots of people to get really pissed off. Um, but I felt like that one, the, 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 the style on that one guy felt a lot more Japanese than most of the characters on the show uh, until at least until Korra and then things get a lot more anime that's a reach um, I I mean again we're, we're, we're talking about art style here are we right yeah I mean I don't know like when I, I look at some of the characters I get an anime feel from a lot of even the main characters like Zuko Iroh even I guess I don't know whatever we'll we'll move on from that um I do like the small little bit of sort of cultural part of, of Aunt Wu where when May is when the, the woman goes up to May and is like, you know, oh, is that the big eared guy you're gonna marry? It's like this entire I like that this entire culture is built around this fortune telling thing where it's not just this random woman that they meet. Like this and clearly this entire culture is, is totally built around that and obviously we see throughout the entire episode more and more of that, but it's a nice little touch in the beginning of like yeah, these people all are sharing their fortunes and they know, like, what to look for, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she did some quick work. 20 years and they're all, like, completely reliant on her. God damn, man. And she doesn't even I charge. Mean, she, she seems like she's pretty good at this, How though. How does she live? Right. So I mean, nations. I guess if you can... She just tells the future and There's knows, like, what the stock market's going to do. You're right. The Avatar stock market. Um, okay. it, it's up, except when the Fire Nation's attacking, and then it's all down. But so it's wait. been down for the last hundred years. Yeah, the the the, the uh, Great Recession just kept going and going <laughs> great, and going. The Great Fire Nation. I mean, that is a legitimate point, though. The, the, the world economy has to probably be pretty awful right now. Um, it's good if you're in the Fire Nation, I think. I mean, it's. Been I mean, there's no world trade. No, war, you wartime think economies are great. It depends on the war. Yeah. Yes, the United States' World War II economy was great because we had the almost 100 percent employment and we had no destruction on the home front, but. I don't know. Ask Germany, England, France, Italy, and Spain about that. Oh, no. I'm talking about the Fire Nation, not if any other nation. And again, we'll oh. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, no, you're right. In the Fire Nation must be, like, fucking amazing. Actually, we see it, right? It's yeah. Life is pretty good in the Fire Nation. And that, and that's, well, it's irrelevant. in some parts it is. We see the fucking Painted Lady Village where it's, like, awful because of environmental damage. That has nothing to do with the economy. Eh. <laughs> Well, the economy's not good enough to fucking clean the river. They're just like, I don't know. They're just allocating the resources towards the war effort. Doesn't mean they could. Ah, clearly. Yeah, honestly, they're, they're clearly. patriots, Mark. They're not patriots. They're nationalistic 
you know what? Wait, that Indeed. makes it even that makes it make even more sense. There well, you go. I I know. Here's the thing: the economy only matters of two nations: it's the Earth and the Fire. I mean, the water are water tribes, so they're more like well, nomads. And then the air back then, even though they're extinct right now, like so. Like, I th- well, that's the complicated problem of the world being this small. In that, like in theory, the Fire Nation economy should be awful because there is no world trade. So. That's not like that's not good for business because even though the US economy was good during World War II, we still had plenty of people to trade with because there were other countries in the world than Germany and Britain and Japan. But I feel like there's no there in theory there should be like little to no trade, but the Fire Nation can sustain itself, I guess. I don't know. But it's it, it, it's hard to put like world economic theory into the Avatar world because it's such a, it's so much smaller. I mean, you could also just think about it as like a teeth of conquest. They mm-hmm. probably have political or military control for a good percentage of the world right yeah. now. They could and just you got to think the... there's mercantilism style. Yeah, like old England. Yeah. Anyway. God, we've turned this fun episode into, like, world economic theory. I'm glad we've gotten it. That's, that's very fun, actually. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm just saying. I, I've been playing uh, a lot of Civ recently, and I can tell you that uh, that Fire Nation strategy, it works pretty well. As long as just, you win the war. Just invade the entire world and kill everyone. If you win the war, yeah, it works pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would have been great for Osai and Azul if they just won the war. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, hot take from thoughts from Otwu. If the Fire Nation won the war, it would have been great for them. <laughs> so we get Aang in the uh, in the Bone uh, Fire Room uh, with Otwu rooting for Archon, and I actually I think this scene is is almost perfectly executed because what's great is you have this really epic. Um, looking thing with with the bone cracks and you see Aunt Wu like really going crazy like the, you're going to be involved in this great battle and you're going to decide the outcome of the world da 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 and Aang's like, response <sighs> is yeah yeah I knew that already which is it, great for it that's his character we know how unmotivated he is by all of this and it's like his destiny is basically more of an annoyance and that's where he is psychologically at this point like he doesn't view the this great struggle that he's supposed to be a part of as a as his motivation for doing things it's his friends and specifically it's Katara that he really cares about and there you can see that everyone around him understand or, or not everyone around him but you can see others around him seeing this how important this guy is how he's the most important person in the world for all intents and purposes but he just doesn't care and is going to just go around and try and figure out how he can get with Katara. And I I think it's an important part of this because as we begin to get closer and closer to the end of book one, when Aang is going to be forced to make some choices and be forced to make more, uh, take a much more active role, it's important that we understand how foreign that is for him. Because when if, if Aang was, say, like Korra as just... All, all in on being the Avatar and all in on on their, on their destiny, then those choices have little to no emotional weight. They're just, well, of course they're going to make that decision because that's what 
avatars do. But it's important that here we see Aang is not that type of person, so that when he is forced to take on responsibility, it 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 whole it rings a lot harder than it does uh, it would right now. To be fair, if if Aang was like Korra, uh, the series would be a lot shorter. Yeah. The, the Avatar has surpassed her all four elements. Oh, look! Looks like I started with three. Great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could, but you could also argue that there some of would that have worked as well? Um, and the fact that she doesn't have any of the spiritual side, which I think is kind of important to Aang's quest. In parts, yeah, but you could counter-argue that a lot of those moments may not have happened. Yeah. Also, if he was able to waterbend by the time he was three, I don't think the storm would have occurred the same way, but that's not important, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But if, but then he would have, if he was core, he would have never left. He wouldn't have run away because he wouldn't have had a reason to run away. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are missing the most important part, the age gap. Again, Cora found out at the correct age. No, she didn't. She found out at three. Did she? Yeah. Yes, yeah. she cut the first thing she says is, I'm the Avatar. You have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Cora, Cora knew she was Avatar. And, like, Cora's entire, like, one of the biggest problems for Cora is the fact that her entire her entire identity is the Avatar. She, she There's no separation for her between Cora and the Avatar, which is why when things go poorly for her and she has trouble being the avatar and trouble fulfilling her duties as the avatar it hurts her so it hits her so hard ang is the exact opposite he feels a complete separation between ang the airbender and the avatar which is why for him it's all about reconciling those two parts of his life funny how it's core that ends up severing herself from the, all of the rest of the past avatars, but not by not by choice. Mm. Well, did I, Aang I really find out at an appropriate age? Is there like a standard no, age? The standard age is on your day, when you turn sixteen. So why did this happen with either of them? Well, Aang, why did this happen? Well, yes, we talked about this. Yeah, and Aang was because... told because the war was coming, and Korra just she could bend three of the elements when she was really young, so she just knew. Korra, why? Um, Roku, we know, finds out on his 16th birthday. What a stressful birthday gift. By the way, you need to keep the planet in check. It's a pretty incredible scene when it happens. I mean, during times of peace, it might actually be pretty cool. Well, yeah. Like, Roku doesn't seem tense about it. He just goes around the world, has a good time. Or you turn into... But then sometimes Ko steals your girlfriend's face. Jesus. Hashtag Avatar Kieran. Yeah. Rude. Yep. So, so. Katara wants to know about the guy he's going to marry, and, you know, just, he's going to have a beard, he's going to be a terrible father. Oh, wait, did I say that? Whoops. It's almost like I know their future. Um, And also, hey, third great-grandchild, so... so Janor and Kai. God, can she just die already? Calm down. Don't 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 have any kids anytime soon. Was it ever actually explained how Aang died? Because he died quite young. No. Um, no, it's not explained how Aang died. That's unfortunate. But all that we know is his time came to the end. That's quite unfortunate. Katara's so old. 
She should just Wait, he, heal over. He died right. really young. I mean, he died. I mean, it depends on your definition of young, because do you count the hundred years he was trapped in Listen, ice? Listen, Marker, that doesn't count. Let's assume it I doesn't mean, count. Didn't... If it doesn't count, Aang died, I think, in his upper 70s. He did not... I'm going to math this. Yeah, because he had to be pretty old, right? Since uh, Korra is 16 when she meets Zuko, and he's, like, super old at that point. I mean, it's 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 seven. Korra starts 70 years after the events of this series. Aang ends. died so, at 66. That's not... All right, Aang died at 66. It's also that world, 1920, it might actually be. <laughs> or oh, no, it's 16. It's 19. It's probably 1900. It, that's pretty old. Okay, but that, yeah. hmm. We just see a lot of old people because we meet them, but I don't think there's actually that many old people in this world. Yes, but when they so talk the about old... when they talk about the like average age or like the average maximum age of the time, they, they were usually pretty low because a lot of a lot of children died in childhood illness, but there were a lot of old people chilling. Well, we're going by mm. modern day medicine. We have like water bending magic that heals you and shit in this universe. Yeah, so. there's no excuse for him to be dead. That only heals you from. Doesn't heal you from long term conditions. No excuse. No, but again, we're in a magical universe. I mean, we don't know. Has she ever tried to cure someone of a disease? Yeah, they um, tried to oh. restore Aang after he got lightninged out of the sky. <laughs> Well, I mean, A, you have to think that being in ice for 100 years probably doesn't do the greatest things to your body. Um, I would argue that it preserved everything perfectly. And that's BS, too, I because wouldn't. he's been healthy all the last airbender. You, if, like, he was... We don't know that he's healthy for a year? Yes, Marker. The, like, listen. Oh, so one can... year of health means he's going to be healthy for if the rest of his life. you can come out of a giant chunk of ice that you've been chilling in for the last hundred years and be perfectly fine, I'm going to assume that it didn't screw you up that badly. And how do you know he's perfectly fine? Just because he's not showing symptoms doesn't mean that he doesn't have problems internally. Marker. He's fine. Charles. Back me up here. No, Charles, yeah, don't. Decide with Mark and also, there, there's no hint he was ever sick, even in Korra. Ha! Like, there was never. You know what I mean? There's no. Maybe. What do you mean, no hint? We we see two flashbacks of him in Korra. You would think that if he was like sick throughout his adulthood, that his kids would have mentioned it, would have been in backstory yeah. or something. I'm not saying he was sick Actually, throughout his entire adulthood. Actually, considering how little we see, how little his kids like to delve into. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not that and the fact that it's not like I'm not like saying like he was like completely crippled to the point he wasn't walking. I'm saying like that you can your body could have some real problems. I don't, I don't think being encased in ice for 100 years is the best course of action for your body. Well, I mean, you know, athletes do that thing where they go into that cold ass chamber. Maybe it was just that. <laughs> Yes, and what's the usual life expectancy on athletes compared to regular people? Listen, Marker. Actually, shorter. Yeah. Yes, that's my point. Listen. Not to mention, that kind of bending is probably... Also, yeah, he also got shot full of lightning and had to be brought back by uh, mystic spirit powers. I, find I, that, I don't know if that's the best thing for your body. I find that perfectly acceptable in this world. Um, I don't, I don't think Listen. so. I mean, we can prove that it's not normal because... At that point in the show, only, what, three people can use lightning? Yeah. Perfectly acceptable. So, I think that... 
I mean, I know that there's some, and then there there is a theory right. well, out let's, there that let's avatars say that he don't died at a long. middling age and call it there. Okay, he wasn't young. Yeah. He well, died it was, like it was thirty years age. old. Yeah, so he wasn't super old, but he wasn't. He was on social security. Young. Yeah, but just barely. He didn't have time to enjoy his retirement. Avatars don't. I really don't Mark, think totally retire. I mean, I know. I guess Roku kind of huh. does. He does like go back to his island. I mean, even in death, they don't retire because then they have to like mentor the next avatar. Oh god, that must be. No, so no, they they you all go, retired after. But you got to think they're now got to be like, oh, thank God, we don't have to do this anymore. We're just chilling. Sorry, Corey. I know that that annoys you, but actually, maybe they're just really bored. What? Because mm, maybe they. It's arguable that they aren't in the normal part of the spirit world, so where do they go? That's so sad. I don't know. They might just be in some part of the spirit world all chilling together. Yeah, but I would... But I if would Kiyoshi's miss, there, it's a good time. I would miss my my significant others. Well, I mean, hopefully significant other. And my... Well, keep in mind, there's also reincarnation in this world. My so acquaintances. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Significant others have been reincarnated, probably. Oh, God, how stressful. Did you... <laughs> That was one of the alternate endings for I think season three of Korra. That was, that was the thing. Just as some friendships are strong enough, they can even transcend lifetimes. Oh my god, Marker, let's be friends next lifetime. Okay, sure. Let's come up with a secret code. Uh, no. I'll come up with one. All right. So Ang Ang decides to be to be aloof because he asked Sokka, and I mean, what a mess. In his defense, Sokka is pretty good with the ladies. Like, it may be a joke that Sokka's smooth, but like, Suki, Yue, um, Ty Lee. He's like, charmingly awkward. He's not smooth. But he, he, he gets with a lot of ladies, so clearly he's, something he's doing is right. But like, he's not doing it right. It's just that there, he's cute, so they're like success. Right. There's literally if, if scientific evidence that he's doing something right. Like if, if if it's working, he's doing it right. Like even if it's in spite of what he's saying, it's working. Well, as the female here, I would say, well, he's not doing what he says he's doing. Therefore, he's but not doing it right. But, like, you know, he struck out before, so, like, like I'm assuming, like, still, if you if you score 50-50 on everyone you hit on, you still have a really good record in, you know, getting girls. <laughs> I've got a great record in doing that. Dude, 50-50 is amazing. Yes, that's, that's, that's some good, that's good work, man. 50-50? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, so I think he's successful overall. Hmm. But does it does it does this get back does this at least get back at Katara for friend zoning him like really hard earlier? Of him being like, you know me, I'm just I don't really care what we do, which also made me laugh because I feel like Ang being aloof towards Katara is really weird, but Ang is pretty aloof towards you know his destiny. Well, like, is his destiny a relationship? I mean, a little bit. I do think in some ways, if you're the Avatar, you're married to your work. Uh, yeah. It I clearly mean, means you don't have time for your children. Aw. Oh, wait. Did I say that? Am I being mean to hang again? Parker, stop. 
I mean, it's not like he resurrected a dead civilization and uh, no, no, he didn't do any peace of that. and prosperity to the world. He was oh. mean to Boomy. That's not acceptable. To be fair, oh, oh, all the uh, bad things that happened in the world uh, happened during the Korra era. <laughs> all of the bad things. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Aang's got a pretty good track record as active Avatar. That's true. But then we only, I mean, I guess there was the stuff with the Akon. But they do fix that. That was resolved in like a day. He runs out yeah, of the... Because, but, but was that really Aang or was that Sokka? I feel like Sokka is actually the determining factor here. I really don't know a whole how? lot about what happened when he was an adult Avatar. Maybe the entire world was just in ruins and he was just no, it, hanging out with it, Katara. It wasn't. It wasn't. He was being a Were you there? Building, Repu- building Republic City. Hmm. All right. Um, let's get back to the. Yes, let's let's do that. Um, to get to be serious for a moment, um, I do like the way this episode turns when they get into seeing the um, seeing the lava uh, coming out of the volcano because I think that. Like there is a, a there is tension obviously in the episode, and I think that it's it's really good where you have Aang kind of jumping up the cliff, and he's gonna get a flower. He gets the flower, and then turns and looks, and oh my god! And I I, I do like the way they they turn that very quickly, um, and I think that's important in an episode like this that is very comedic focused. Where if you want us to suddenly get invested in something, you have to kind of be a little bit more shocking. Um, it's not enough to like slow. It's not like it's not where you can have a slow build. This is where you need like. To kind of snap your fingers. Okay, but you know how that dude, like two seconds before, had given his lady friend a panda lotus? And that was why Aang was like, Lily. oh my hell, I gotta go get one? Panda Lily, Whatever. Yes. You're right. How did that guy, on his journey up to the volcano, not notice that there's just lava chilling? And be like, I oh mean, shit. You could argue, A, he was just not... Like, he thought, saw Wu's prediction, and he was like, I don't really care. Everything's probably fine. And it's not like they go down and say, we saw the lava, and everyone's like, oh, my God, they saw the lava. Everyone's like, oh, who cares? Aunt Wu's prediction. Eh, fair enough. Um, all right. The one one thing I will give Delia here. Do you guys think Katara gives up too quickly in terms of, like, Believing Ang and Sokka, because I kind of feel like she like it, yes. she seems to totally obsessed with Aunt Wu, and then is like, oh, guess there was an earthquake. The volcano is gonna blow up. I actually think it's out of character for her to be so uh, believing in Aunt Wu, while like someone like so- I think like the roles are reversed. I think Sokka, well, no, Sokka when when push comes to shove is very pragmatic sometimes, but like I think Katara is too. So I think Katara being so like into Aunt Wu is kind of out of character for her, actually. Um, I don't think it's that bad, and I and I hate to go back to this comparison. I don't think it's as bad as the divide, where I thought that they were just totally reversed what they actually are, and it was really stupid. Um, I I, I think Sokka is is characterized perfectly. I, I think it makes perfect it total sense that the sort of book smart one would be like that. Um, even if he can be a little bit silly, with Katara. It, it, on one hand, I th- I understand the fact that Katara would believe 
in sort of something a little bit more spiritual and a little bit more out there that yes she's practical but I feel like I understand why Katara would act like that but at the same time it is a little bit different than what we normally see from her so I under I understand what you're saying Corey and I don't think you're necessarily wrong but I don't know if you're I wouldn't 100% agree there I'll uh, chip in and say that a lot of what we say about characterization is regarding um, how they act when everything's on the line, when they're, you know, really serious, when they're trying to do the best for the world, basically. Um, this clearly isn't one of those situations, so it actually kind of makes some sense for the characterization to be a little bit off from what we had said before about them because well we said at the start this is kind of a filler episode it they what they don't think any of this really has that much significance so just kind of uh, put your burdens down let loose a little bit hmm i guess if you're if by that logic then you're you're arguing that he you don't think atara gave up eat too easily because the moment she realized it was important, she kind of turned off the I'm going to care about fortune-telling side of her. Well, it was turned off and more that the other side of her took or, the precedent. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the let's protect people part of her brain kicked in. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so another, another moment here where I want to say again, uh, just because... Uh, I feel like I I just be going to be careful coming off of last week where last week I was very harsh on the comedy for sort of interrupting tension, interrupting action. In this case, again, I, I feel like it's the I don't mind it because um, b- because in this episode, like it, the the tension is definitely a lot lower and it's not it doesn't try jar me out of the experience where where we kind of have a little bit of a comedic break we have a couple of beats here and then we go back to the dealing with the volcano i think it it just all timed out a lot better than it was last week yeah i'd agree i mean it's also important that they set up the comedy like throughout the episode you kind of knew that um you knew that sako was like super against the fortune telling from the beginning and we'd already had like foreshadowing that random that it wasn't going to work out for him like, persuading to other people that uh, this was for real so mm-hmm. i mean that on moves fortune telling was full yeah um so they go and get the crowd reading book and ang has his little conversation with may here um, for me, very happy. Ang, Ang, Ang admits that he does, in fact, like Katara. Good. Lame. I mean, we all kind of knew that that was true, but at this point, we, we still have a long way to go, and we will get to where Kat Ang is eventually. Um, I don't... I mean, I do think it's a little bit weird that May knows that Katara is a bender, because, like, when did she bend it in this episode? But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was weird. Kind of, a, kind of a small little thing, but... Um, the on the other side of this though, once they um, get the cloud reading book and Ang and Guitar are on Appa bending, I think that this is definitely the best shot scene of the episode. Maybe the final uh, showdown with the lava. 
um, on the other side. But I, I, I love the sort of angelic look of them uh, bending the clouds. And in, in some ways, they're bending fate here because that's like what the whole idea here is. And I think it just it shot really well and it, it looks cool. And overall, I, it, it conveys, I think, the right message. Um, that so they get terrifying. yes it was so they get the, the skull and and then Sokka and you know Sokka has his plan of, of digging things out and, and everyone gets to work um, I don't entirely understand why when they have everyone evacuate that Katara and Sokka stay behind like I don't know what they were going to do but I guess you know it was necessary in order to have that kind of final uh, visual thing with, with uh, Katara looking up at Aang so not the biggest deal um but on a uh, to get really to it i love ang's fight and i kind of put fight in quotes but fight with the lava um it, it's visually stunning the music is great and i think that this is another uh moment very similar to the beginning with the necklace where there's a lot of layers to this um that are much more complicated on first glance um i think and maybe you guys disagree but i think this is the strongest that we've seen of ang um, so far in the show and the fact that he's fighting nature not a person he couldn't hurt anyone we get to see ang really pull out all the stops and we really do see the power of ang i mean obviously his moments in the avatar state aside because those are much you know a whole nother level but as him outside the avatar state this is definitely the strongest we've seen of ang so far would you guys agree with that I think his fight was more cerebral, more so than showing off his actual power. It was more so trying to outsmart the lava. Yeah. Wait. Uh, I, I I think it was power-based. He literally jumps into the air, like streams the air currents from out of the air and dumped it all into the lava in order to, you know, I guess, re- or turn it to stone. I mean, that's um, pretty standard airbending, no? I mean, I'm not, it's not like no. <laughs> ridiculous, but we've spent a lot of time on this show and on this podcast. I mean, like just saying like, God, Ang, stop being so depowered. You're like supposed to be a great bender. And I feel like in this moment, we see Ang pull out all the stops and he's, he's good. Oh, no, I agree. And I think this is, you're, you're, you're seeing Aang, when, again, when Aang is serious, and this is throughout the series, not just this episode. He's on point. It's when he's aloof is where you know things are up in the air. But do you think the fact that he's fighting an inanimate object playing a big role in why he's so much stronger? If only there was a type of bender that could bend lava, that would be awesome. Yeah, and fucking overpowered, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Not really, because waterbenders can learn to bend blood. Airbenders can That's make true. literal vacuums and just kill people. I mean, yes, but no. But Kazan is by far the most broken character in all of the Avatar franchise. <laughs> Excuse me? Roku can He bend brings blood. a fucking temple down by himself. Yeah, I mean, dude. So does can... Roku. Whoa, whoa. If you can turn the floor into lava, that's pretty broken, you have to admit. It's just it's it's. Wait, it we saw Roku ner- do this too. Yes, with lava bending. 
But this was also before it... they established lava bending. Again, that was just a we we discussed. And I'm and the Avatar state we are going to ignore because obviously the Avatar state is like the most powerful thing in this entire world. We know that. Ignoring that for a minute, lava bending is broken as fuck. I think people just were wearing creative, but I mean, who knows what the actual limits of the magic powers are? I don't think that there are. I think that they can be pushed to pretty insane heights. All right, Mark. Then uh, arrow blast, man. Come on. Okay, Lugia. Sure. And could hyper compress air until it became plasma and. Uh, you know. Yeah. All right. Sure. And then dumpster. But before we turn that? this into another fifteen-minute argument about lava bending, no, um, lava bending's get... broken. Period. But I think that's more because uh, it was the type of bending we saw, like, or that the creators put a lot of effort into making unique. Yeah. Um. It, and it's the same with like earth bending in general. Like, they gave tough. Uh, steel bending, which was, you know, super unique, and then they made it so that uh, people learned how to do it, and then they had to up, one up that basically. Um, yeah. Whereas we don't really see anything of the sort for air. Yeah, and unfortunately, advanced air bending is kind of boring. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil that reveal in case someone hasn't watched the. What do you, we're, we're our on. show is called Thoughts from Aunt Lou. We, can spo- we spoil is, everything in this show. One of the panelists on the show has not watched all of Korra, so Just I'm not going to... say it, we don't, we, Okay, yes, airbenders can fly. What? That's F obvious. No, I mean fly fly, not on a glider. I mean... They can, like, just hover in also air. not surprising. Yes. That's but, why I was, like, it was so anticlimactic when I first watched it. I was like, oh. Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> But yeah, okay. it was well. here is still awesome. Eh. Um, all right. So getting back to the the, the lava scene, though, um, the other thing that I think is really important about this is that you have to remember Roku died fighting a volcano, and I think that there's a little bit of like symbolic resonance here. Like Aang is kind of fighting the thing that killed the previous Avatar. I fought several volcanoes. Yes, it was a much more dire situation, which is why Roku lost. That was really funny. Died fighting a volcano. Just the imagery. Those those are the words that Aang uses. The imagery of that is very funny. Just boxing a volcano. I he kind of does. I actually agree with Mark. I think it's completely intentional they did that because. You know, it really solidifies Aang being in danger during that. Yeah, I mean, it's really great symbolism. Um, it also kind of shows that, yeah, he is a successor. You know, he, we've been seeing him get his ass kicked a lot, but really, he is the Avatar. <laughs> he can do these amazing things when push comes to shove, as long as he's fully invested Given that I didn't witness yeah. this volcano fight, question: um, Was it like a big ass volcano? Like, what was the context? Yes. Okay. It was ex- basically the exact same situation that Ang is in right now. His village. There's a volcanic eruption. A volcanic eruption, and Roku is trying to save his village. Okay, so from it. so an experienced 
firebender who's literally the avatar died in that when a 12 year old who doesn't know how to firebend there is a lava bending is nothing to do with firebending well yes but because b this a b roku was very old and starting to become weak and c this was 50 times worse of a volcanic eruption the same situation it was the same situation as saving his town, so this volcano but it was, was not like a mega pushing a little bit of lava. Yes, and it was much closer to the town because the town was built on the island. It was built on an on a volcanic well, island. All right. Fire bending crazy people. <sighs> the society, I swear. Anyway, go on. Also, as he uh, stops the first volcano, another one erupts right yes. across the way. Well, that's just and inconvenient. And then his best friend shows up and decides to kill what? him. What? It's not watch exactly the what happened, but it's pretty close. Watch the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Just, just watch that episode. It's a very good episode. Um, also, I always thought in regards to that, why didn't he just resolve everything in the Avatar state? I mean, seriously. Who? Roku. In that situation? Yeah. I feel like because he thought he might die and he didn't want to risk it. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Alright. That's fair enough. And he does use the Avatar State for a brief moment during that whole thing. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, why is it brief? He decided to use it. Why not just... We also don't know if maybe by that age he couldn't sustain the Avatar State as long. Uh, yeah, that's useless true. Right, I would not call Roku useless. Corey, defend Roku. No, Corey. Roku's. No. How is Roku useless? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to have a fight right now. So Corey, have the fight for me. Um, Roku is anything but useless. Okay. Oh, oh that, that's the key mark at that end of that. <laughs> wow. I'm glad I was not needed. That, for that. uprising was put down. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 Matt. Here to start fights with Mark. That's okay. Awesome. Well, same. That's to be usually fair, why here. Corey's That's here. Same here. <laughs> I don't. I don't know Corey well enough to to fight him, and I'd also lose. So. Well, well, don't sell yourself short, Delia. Listen. All right. So. We get the little bit of Katang or Katang foreshadowing at the end. Um, and I know the answer to this is going to be no, but I'm going to pose the question anyway. And I'm going to kind of, I've continued to pose this question. I believe I pose it at some point. At this point, is Katang inevitable? Is, is from a, not from a these two people perspective, but from storytelling oh, yeah. within the show. Yeah. Is this, at this point, does this solidify it or yes. is it much later? I would say no, yeah. Um, because I mean, you said yes, yes, no. I have no idea what you're. I never said. Did I say no? Listen. Just. I just heard no there. Well, if I said no, then I meant it as like a yes. So. (laughs) So yeah. Um, I almost said yeah, no. God damn it, Mark. (laughs) What is your answer? Yes Yes or no? Okay. Moving on. Charles. I'll say no. Well, he's wrong. Okay. I'm kidding. Because while they <laughs> hinted it really heavily thematically, uh, we we know, like from our perspective, the show is still really young. 
we're halfway through the first season of three, uh, and the stories being told only get more and more dense as time goes on. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, while it's like really heavily implied that it's you know something that could happen, I honestly thought after the um, I honestly thought after the uh, episode where Aang tries to unlock his chakras that he was just gonna straight up die, like have a mutual destruction facing Ozai. Mm -hmm. um, and then Katang would never have happened because Aang would be dead. Yeah. So, no. Fair enough. I actually thought at, at that point that uh, Aang would have, Aang and Ozai would have died to each other, and then the ending thing would have been like, well, uh, after Aang's passing, there was no more Avatar for the world, but due to his brave sacrifice, we managed to save. Well, I mean. The world was saved. Anyway, mm. that's not important. Uh, just yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about that when we get to, I guess, the guru. Yeah, just like based on how much they we do, we see character development from here on out. I I'm sure had they spent like episodes structuring it, they could have made it so that it didn't like Katang didn't happen. Mm -hmm. They almost did. Fucking Dan Bryan players. What? I, I, I really, I love the 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 Katang ship. I think they came very close to ruining it in Ember Island Players. I I think that that made the the every, like I think Katang is perfect until episode eleven of book three, and then I have no fucking clue what they were thinking. And then at the very end, they decide to have them kiss because like they want to wrap up the show. But I don't. I, that's the one part of Kadang I do find frustrating. I don't think they did it well at the end. But I digress. Corey, anything to say on that? Um, I actually completely disagree. I don't see. And again, I, I'm not saying this because I don't like ship them or whatever. It's I just don't see the real physical evidence that it, they're actually going to go through with it until the episode. That is. That's not what I'm asking. Like, I'm not asking at this point is Katara in love with Aang or anything like that. I'm asking thematically from a narrative perspective, if Aang and Katara did not get together in the end, would you look back at an episode like this and say, that was weird, they shouldn't have had this episode? No, because like, again, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I don't even think this episode plays anything or a lot into it at all. I think the, the episode for me that really solidifies it is the one I forgot the name of the episode but it's when they get caught in the cave together cave of two cave of two lives yes is the name of the and that was the episode where I started really seeing the seeds planted this one I don't think there were seeds that were planted I mean this is the ep first episode where Aang admits to having feelings I any uh, she you what do you mean admits it he's proven he's liked her since episode one Yes, but he didn't say it out loud. He said it out loud. You don't loud. have to say it out loud. It's, it's obvious. Yeah, Austin Marker, you you're romantic. No. No, but saying it out loud is, in, is important because there's a difference between, yes, obviously we can tell that Aang likes her and being able to actually admit it. Those are very no, different I, things. No, I, I, I disagree. I think what – I always knew Aang liked Katara from episode one and him saying it, sure. I mean it, it puts it on the table – but 
the the episode that that I needed to see in order for me to, to believe that it wasn't just a one sided thing was when Katara likes him back, and there was no movement on Katara's side here. You wouldn't say that, that Aang looking up at Katara with Sokka saying Aang is a really powerful bender and her being, I suppose he is. And she's clearly making a connection there. Like that line is written so that Katara is thinking about, wait a minute, am I going to be marrying Aang? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't view it like that. I, I don't see how you cannot view it as that. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, unless you're... Unless you're connecting her tone with the whole thing they were playing where she, she was asking who she was going to marry earlier on. Yeah. You're connecting the fact that the the line from Aunt Wu is the man you're going to marry, he is an extremely powerful bender, and then Sokka says the same thing. Wow, Aang is one powerful bender. That That is clear ma- like trying to match those two lines. It, I'm not... And look, to give my answer, I don't think it is. I don't think that Katang is, is, is inevitable from this point. I think that that point is Cave of Two Lovers. But if you don't, like, if you're going to say you didn't see that line as that, I, I don't know what you're thinking. Because it just, that, that that's completely obvious from a narrative perspective here. I, su- I mean, I suppose. But again, maybe I'm looking at it as it was never followed up on after that. Nothing's changed since that episode until Cave of Two Lovers for her, at least. So maybe that's why I, I think it was just more of a throwaway because there was no... I mean, next episode, but... What do you mean next episode? There's all that stuff in Bato with Nang and Katara. Uh, but we'll talk about that next sure. week. Bato is a weird episode that I don't remember very well, and I feel like that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Um, Same here. Uh, I have a question. Yep. Is Katara a floozy? No. She's very clearly not a floozy. <laughs> that fucking line. What's a floozy? I think it's like a nicer way of saying a hoe. Uh, yeah, it is. Because that girl just randomly calls her a floozy. And I was like, damn. All right, Avatar, I see you. But... A girl or woman who has a reputation for promiscuity. Yeah, so a hoe. Yes. Um, no, hoe. Katara is very clearly not a hoe. <laughs> well, like, the well, hoe no, hey, she's well. not. Well, 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 what, she make... touches Zuko's face? What a hoe. Well, no, no, let, let me make a counter-argument here. They're really young, so ergo the standards are different for being a hoe. True. And uh, that may just be, you know, the, that amount of physical contact may be enough. Mm-hmm. As you see with uh, Jet and uh, Zuko and Tang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if she was given more of an opportunity, she would be. But it just turns out that <laughs> oh, everyone yeah. she... Well, she does have daddy issues, I guess. Yeah, I, Whoa, I think she... okay, Marker. Yeah. What, she does. I mean, she we does, know that but she don't does. we all... No. No. Oh. We don't all. Well, listen. I'm trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> okay. Maybe um, she is a hoe, though. I mean, we don't I, know. There could be an AU out there somewhere. A fan fiction AU. The hoe I AU. I mean, obviously, there are a million fan fictions out there of a lot awesome. of things, but. Actually, very few of those are contained. To... Yeah, obviously. Fucking Zutara. Which is a better ship. 
No, it is ship. not. I completely agree. Get off it's a my better podcast. Ship. Yes. Get off it's my podcast. It's a better ship for the hose, and it's a better ship for the show. It's it's literally totally wrong. It's, it's not Has though. No, nope, honestly, right. Honestly, though, She's like not. I'm not even we'll I'm not even gonna lie. I'm just a jerk. Now. You know why I don't like Katang? Because Ang's bald, and I yeah no. No. He's not bald, he's shaven. Well, yeah, but like... <laughs> a, he has hair in Yes, I'm aware of the fact that he's... He I'm aware a, of the fact he, that he's physically capable of growing hair. B, he grows a beard. Okay, that doesn't mean anything in relation to male pattern baldness, but... And C, the baldness is a purpose. Yes, I'm aware of that, so. but I still don't like it as an aesthetic. Except... You, you need to be able to feel the wind around Except your Except you Very really, important. like, he would be fine. He grew hair that one time. And did anything go horribly, horribly wrong? Maybe. I don't remember that. I mean, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Lots of things. The beginning of book three was kind of a disaster. So we- okay, I'm listening. <laughs> so at least we know you'll never Just end up saying with listen does not, is not an argument. You'll never end up with an airbender. We know that now. Listen. Wait. What? I would be the best well, airbender. Thank you. That's not nec- that's not necessarily. I'd be the true. best airbender. Because, no, I'm not saying you would be a bad airbender. I'm saying you would never date an airbender. True, unless female airbenders hair. don't have to shave their. Well, actually, technically, airbenders you do not need to shave your head. It is yeah, a choice. so you know, all I'd have to but do. But you should because it's no, better. It it's fine if you can be an airbender who doesn't shave your head, and is just as competent as all the others. That means you're just a better airbender than everyone else. Are, is is she gonna is she gonna get with the lives in his parents basement is she gonna get with the lives in her parents basement uh, airbender? Nah, it'll be Zahir. Oh yeah, no, but Zahir's bald. That's not that doesn't work. Well, I guess Zahir isn't bald later on. Zahir yeah. does grow his hair out. Yeah, that's true. All right, yeah, sure, you can be with. Zahir. I love the basement airbender, by the way. This is an assignment. Yeah, he is the, he is the best. So, um, but that's why yeah. I don't like uh, um, Katang all that much because. Well, uh, aesthetically speaking, I reasons I don't like Zutara because there's no moment where Zuko and Katara share any do a little bit thing, even Bullshit. remotely a, do a little bit. There was that time when even she was rem- like, hey, maybe I can fix your face. And he's like, that's not romantic. That's Katara being and he's Katara. Like, oh, you can't because I'm angsty and it's it's a scar. No, it's because no, I can't scars. because it's a scar. And you don't heal scars. That's a totally reasonable statement from And then she was like, no, it's fine. My water can perform plastic surgery. And then she decides, no, I'm not going to use this. I'm going to save my boyfriend instead. Yeah, well... No, I'm going to save my future husband instead. Well, listen. Plus, Zuko needs a gloomy girl like Mei. What's wrong with Zukang? Yo, um, I, yeah. What's I wrong mean, with Zhu Kang? Nothing, except meh. Really. <laughs> Kang. Just so I mean, so no. Useless. The thing that's wrong with Zhu Kang is that there's no way Zhu Kang needs someone like Katara. Zuko would not be able to hand like be good for what Ang needs. Zuko's too headstrong, and Zuko is too um, has too much of an opinion on. What should and shouldn't be, um, and should and shouldn't do, and the the fact is, what makes for me what makes Katara and Ang 
such a great match is that Katara saves Aang while Aang saves the world. And Katara is going to do everything she can to empower Aang to be the best avatar that he can. Zuko wouldn't. Like, that's not what Zuko is. And you don't think Zuko it, by the end is more like that? No. What? Because I think I think that I think that Zuko is Yes, Zuko has become a good person, but he's not he's not motherly or fatherly. Like Well, Aang doesn't part need of the a mom. That, Aang needs significant. Yes, he does. Okay, so that's gross by the dating end of your the mom series, friend. I, I kinda question that. Dating your mom friend I would think be gross. That Aang needs Aang, parent, some kind, uh, someone who is motherly is important for Aang because he lost the... Yeah, with Zuko, um, he'd have Iroh. Best parent ever. Yeah, honestly. Ever. But he could have Iroh regardless. Yes, but, you know, it's so different the, the when it's your in-law. But that's not... A, Iroh is not exactly long for this world, considering <laughs> you don't be. Um, excuse you, did you remember seeing Katara's grandma? She was like 400 years old. No, she wasn't she was 400, like 400 She was like 400 years old. She was so clearly not 400, considering we know when she left she the Northern like Water She was like 417 years old. But... Um, I think she's probably like in Okay, her but age, also like... If that. Um, no... Aang, I feel like if, see, I don't like the whole Katara being motherly and being with Aang thing, because, like, Aang don't need nobody to take care of him. That's weird. Yes, he does, okay, though. Like, I That's guess the... he does, but, like, I wouldn't want my husband to be, like, dadding all the time. You Yes, you wouldn't. I'm not saying that, that, that like, oh, all relationships should be like this. I'm saying specifically to Aang. As, because as it progresses, it would get kind of troublesome. Don't you think, Aang? I mean, I don't think that Katara is going to be motherly through the entirety of their relationship. I think, though, that Katara is a nurturing person, and that's important for Aang because of the pressure that he's under and B, the fact that he lost his entire culture, his in, all of his support structure. And Katara is someone who can be a substitute for that and be, and we see it. And I mean, Charles mentioned earlier that the Guru episode, we saw the, the, the love that the, the, the air nomads had for him is reborn in new love in Katara. She can fix it. And I think that, like, you see an episode like Avatar State, where Katara has vast disagreements as to what Aang using the Avatar State and doing this, but she never does it in a way that prevents him. She voices her concerns and says, I can't watch this, and she leaves. She doesn't... Zuko would have, if he felt the same way Katara did, would have stood up to the general and said, no, we're not doing this, this is terrible. And while... I understand the purpose of that in some situations. For the Avatar, that's not that's not what you can have. When you're responsible for the entirety of world peace, you kind of need someone who's going to support you first and allow you to make the decisions that you need to make. I, I feel like at the end of the series, he didn't really need support to make the decisions that he would have made. 
let's be honest. At the end of this series, the Avatar world is basically under a monarchy. Did you read the promise? That doesn't want to rule. Did you read the promise? I thought we weren't going to take into account the. No, we're taking into account the comics. They are, they are, can, they are canon. So I'm not like I. When I say I don't want to get into comics, is that I haven't read all of them, and I know different people haven't read all of them, so I don't want to like. It can get confusing. Um, but considering we're at like the hour 15 minute mark and we're just arguing about ships right now, I'm willing to go a little bit further I'm here. Not. Devin, Mark. But also you're asking the end, like when you say what the, what is the end, the, at the end of the story, what does the Avatar world look like? Other than one scene, we don't really know unless you want to talk about the comics or infer from what happened 70 years later. No, you're right. You're right. And you're right. We see that, um, Zuko takes over his fire evolved. Hmm. Well, what I mean, I didn't mean like what is it like, but I mean effectively, Aang is pretty much holding all of the chips at the end. Had he wanted to, um, it would have been pretty easy to make his way happen. But that's not the type of person Aang is. But that, but that, I, that's my point: is that it's not that Aang, it's not that Aang can't make the decisions. It's that there's still difficult questions that are being asked and Aang is still needing to rebuild this world and he needs someone by his side who will give him the the support to make those decisions in, and not try and make those decisions for him. He, Zuko is his partner in rebuilding the world in sort of Zuko's giving input and giving um, and voicing his own opinions here. Katara is the person behind him and again specifically this relationship i'm not saying that all relationships should be like that but specifically this relationship katara is instead the person behind him who is supporting him as opposed to the person who is at the table drawing the new borders of the united republic how did we get here from uh katara as a hoe you said or uh, Charles said, "What about Zukang as a ship?" And I'm shooting down Zukang as a ship. Maybe he could date Sokka. Everyone can date Sokka. Sokka's awesome. Fifty percent hit miss ratio, man. Pretty good. What do you mean fifty percent? We we see him hit on what? And how many girls in the show? I, I actually, from now on, I'm gonna keep a running list of any time Sokka hits on a girl, whether or not it goes well. And I will act, by the end of the show, we will have a. Full-on tally of what Zuko's ratio is. I mean, Sokka, but what's he at now? Sokka, yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, one? the only girls he's hit on is Suki. So one for one? So he's one for one. Yeah, but if you read the comics, you see how that goes. Whoa. Wow, Whoa. Okay. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> what? It's going to be okay, Mark. I am making a joke, Mark, don't Charles. Be no. <laughs> I, I'm. This is a triggering episode. All right. So with that, let's let's wrap things up because we're getting that close to the hour and twenty minute up point, and this was supposed to be short. Let's just fuck around for a little while. We fucked around. <laughs> yes, we fucked. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. All right. So with that, final thoughts and rating. Um, Delia, you gave her initial thoughts first. So why don't you go? Ahead. Um, can I give the rating first? I'm just gonna say that it yes. was like I don't know an eight. And um, so this was doubly good compared to the last episode you were look, on. Has for. anyone else given a negative? Uh, well, not negative, but under five. Yeah. Oh, really? Who else? What happened? Was it with that one stupid Div- episode? 
It was Divide. Divide got several. Yeah, I mean, that's a stupid, got, stupid, I stupid episode. This, this episode, I would genuinely debate between this and, like, Food Network bakery shows. Because I love those. But... Um, final thought, it was a good time. It brought back it brought back memories of my times talking to psychics and uh Katara is a hoe. Katara's a hoe, yo. She's just an absolute right. disaster. She's not but, Shut up, okay. Mark. Thanks for your writing. These are my final um, thoughts. Charles Charles Charles, go ahead. Uh I liked the episode. It was fun, it was lighthearted. Um it I mean, God, it really is kind of a filler episode if you're thinking about it from purely a plot perspective, so. Um, but I still enjoyed it, and it does set up things for earlier. Rating-wise... Shit, I'm trying to... Maybe an eight and a half. I... Yeah, I mean, it was nice to watch as an episode, but it didn't stick. Like, I watched mm -hmm. this, I tried to watch the episodes uh, about half a week, review the episodes about half a week before we actually did the podcast. And some, there's, like, stuff you know you want to talk about, like, all the way through, and there's stuff you're really hyped for. It's just like, eh. Yeah, it was nice. It was fun. But that's all I can really say for it. That was going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Corey. It was, it was fun. As I said earlier, it was one of those shows you had to do filler right um again aunt Wu is obviously memorable as she's the namesake of the show even uh, uh again for a, even for a, a night, nice lighthearted episode what you said mark was pretty spot on you do see ang at his full potential this episode and you feel the tension so it was it was very fun to watch i i'd definitely give it a, a solid uh, eight all right um, I'm going to give this episode an 8.5, which is the exact same rating I gave last week's episode. And that might seem weird considering I spent a lot of time being a little bit negative about certain things last week and then this week being a lot more positive. But I think it's important to remember that this is a much – this episode's foundation is a lot weaker because it's a comedic episode. And not that comedic episodes are bad, but they're not, they're not going to normally break into that top, top category of episodes. But I think the while the foundation isn't that strong, the execution of the episode is is damn near perfect. I think that last week the foundation was incredibly strong. Unfortunately, some bits of the comedic execution brought it down. So I actually think these two episodes are very on par with each other, even though they feel extremely different. Um, and it kind of gets to the weirdness of of rating episode where you have an episode last week that could have been truly spectacular. So the little bits of negatives bring it down to an 8.5. This episode was very good. The things that I really loved about it brought it up to an 8.5. So even though they're the same, it, it feels different. So I understand if, if that feels a little bit weird in the ratings. But I do think that these are pretty similar episodes in terms of actual quality. Um, so yeah, I want to thank uh, Delia for coming in last minute. I know I, I asked you kind of uh, later on, but I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Corey and Charles as well. Um, this should be our last episode without Lindsay. I know she's coming back. Um, I know you got to hear her voice a little bit last week, but we didn't have her this time. Um, but if um, we should check her back for later on. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Um, this has been Thoughts from Aunt Wu. This is a very special episode, so thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you guys had fun like we did. Uh, feel free to leave comments in SoundCloud, iTunes, 
You can also follow us on Twitter at AuntWoo underscore pod. Send us tweets or anything, and we can answer them on the show. And with that, thank you very much. (laughs) No, she's not.